seat and turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab other friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now one truth, life, one way to the throne. Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 450. I'm still not sure what we're talking about today. My name is Caleb Hegg. And I'm never sure what we're talking about. And I'm blown <laughs> away. This is show 450. 450. Wow. Boom. Doing that's, it right. That's got to have some numerolo- numerological significance. Hey, I want to tell all of our producers, I have not forgot about you. Right now, the producers coming up on the screen are actually for summer. And I know I have fallen behind, but this next week, they're going to get fixed. And uh, I'm going to push you guys all the way through. If you're on the credits for the fall, we'll get you all the way through the winter as well. So never fear. I've got it figured out. Okay. Okay. Let's, uh, Let's see if I can move some stuff around real quick. Okay, here we go. Uh, before we get started, see Hegg at ChegGatorResource.com, C-H-E-G-G at ChegGatorResource.com. 
You can also uh, give us a voicemail. I'm moving stuff over just real quick here so that we can try to see that chat room at the same time. Uh, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You won't talk to us. You will talk to an answering machine, and you can tell us how much you love us, hate us, agree with us, disagree with us, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you can find past shows and all sorts of merchandise and everything else at messiahmatters.com, so go check that out. And this show is produced by Torah Resource. Torah Resource, find everything you need. Uh, well, almost. Find a lot of stuff. Let's almost. just find, find some, some good stuff at torahresource.com, including uh, free stuff and paid stuff. If, <laughs> if you want to take my advice, then go get a library, a digital library membership. You'll have access to our entire digital catalog for less than $10 a month. Can you, I mean, believe that. Believe it. And last but not least, do not forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know it sounds weird, but it does help us. It helps us a lot. And if you're already subscribed, do us a favor. Click that thumbs up button. All right, everybody, here we go. Boy, oh boy. Hey, I Next. would like to add something. Like yeah. for our uh, caller line, call in line, call us if you love us, hate us, or if you think we're meh. <laughs> meh. Meh. That's that new word. Meh. It's I don't like, know how new it is, but I'll tell you what. Take it or getting, leave it. We've been getting some heat in the in the comments online. Nice. Okay, real quick though, before we get down to business. Yes. Show four fifty. Okay. I believe we started in December. Like when when do we roll over to to season eleven? Like that's got to be soon. But is the it very, before the? Is it before January or is it? The very first show was December fifth. 2011. Yeah. So what I'm talking about now, or was it right? 2012? 2012. 2012. 2012. Or 2013. I don't no, know. 2012. It was 2012. 2012. 2012. Okay. 2012. Yep. Um. So whenever it was, the idea is. So that means in December. Yeah. So we have we we don't have a show next week. No. Like pretty soon we're going to be in season 11. Like, are yeah. you ready for that? Like. No. No, I am not. <laughs> no, full disclosure, I am not ready for that. Uh, I don't think people realize how much how much work it actually takes to uh, to launch a season because it just looks like we just keep going. But actually, there is uh, we every season we get all new graphics. We try to do all new music. Now there has been a debate in my office with myself because I'm the only person in my office on whether or not we keep the uh, the music that is so good from Eleven or from 10, or whether or not we make new music for 11. How can you top the music for 11 or for 10? Yeah. Now, uh, that reminds me, by the way, so uh, Ben Brandon, the uh, the believer who has... Uh, skilled. The, the skilled believer who uh, did the lyrics for the wordsmith. season 10. He's a wordsmith. Wordsmith, yes, for season 10. His father is, uh, I think... Uh, I, I believe 20 minutes away from going in for open heart surgery. So he's down in California right now. And so prayers for his dad as he goes in to, uh, into surgery. And we're get, the chat room is weighing in on this. Uh, we have three people now. Keep it. Keep the music. Keep the music. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I did, well, once again, I just don't know how we could top it. But you know what? I try every year. Hey, we'll call see. in and, and leave a message as to why you like the music as it is and why you want to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. That would okay. be cool to hear. So as I said, I, d I still don't know what we're talking about. And uh, that actually is not really a joke. Basically, what's going on is <clears throat> Rob and I <clears throat> normally talk 
um, on Mondays uh, to prepare for the show. And uh, this week we had to bump that. And then Tuesday we recorded a uh, Mystery Bible Theater 3000, which will come out on Friday. However, we, we did not talk about this show. And so this morning uh, I got into my office and I had so much to do. I really didn't have time to prepare for a show. Um, and so here we are at nine o'clock rolls around and I realize, oh, hey, I should probably figure out what we're talking about. Now, there is, there is some saving grace here, which is that what we do is we take comments and we take emails that come in, we throw them all into a doc, and as new ones come in, we usually add them to the top as we want to talk to them. So usually we're current, right? We're like new emails are coming in and we're talking about those that week. But what happens is every once in a while, we'll get four emails instead of three or whatever, and something will keep getting pushed down. And so our notes are filled with comments and questions that sometimes are months and months and months old. We just haven't gotten to the bottom of our doc yet to talk about them. So uh, would you guys cover the voicemail I left sometimes, you guys? Yeah, sometimes coming up with a topic early is like church archaeological fathers. excavation. It's like, oh, from this layer. Uh, Cole, uh, you know, I, I think I, I vaguely remember, uh, the question on the church fathers. Um, I'll listen to it again, but, uh, yeah, I, I listened to it this last week. I'll have to listen to it again. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's go. Let's jump right in. So to the notes we go. Mary writes in. Now, this is a conversation that was going on at her congregation, and I think that we've talked about this a lot, but I want to touch on it again because it's going to actually move into some of our other discussions for the day. Mary writes in and she says, Jews are obligated. This is the conversation that they're having. She's not agreeing with this normally, but Jews are obligated, in quotes, obligated to follow the Torah, and Gentiles have the opportunity to follow Torah, but if but it isn't sin if Gentiles don't. That's the argument that is being presented to Mary. Side note, is Matthew 7, 21 spoken to Jews and Jews alone? This was a conversation we had on Shabbat. Okay, so the reason this is important is because I actually had somebody bring this up to me this last week. In fact, I think that this is something that that uh, is brought up pretty much on a weekly basis by various people, especially in the YouTube, YouTube comments, right? Oh, well, the Torah was for <clears throat> the, the, for Israel, <clears throat> not for, uh, the Gentiles. And so we don't have to keep it. Um, this is not how the, how the scriptures present it, by the way. Uh, first John says, uh, you know, sin is lawlessness. Anyone who, uh, commits sin, you know, it, it, what is the, what is the reference? Hang on just a second. I'm trying to go off my memory. Uh, sin is lawlessness. It is First uh, John 3. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Um, okay. So uh, everyone who sins breaks the law. So uh, clearly sin is not keeping the law. Uh, but this conversation actually needs a little bit more attention than just a little reference like 1 John 3, okay? The reason I say that is because Christ, he says in Matthew 15, 24, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, if that's the case, then if we're going to separate, like the, the idea, the theological idea that we could separate Jews and Gentiles into two different camps, and this is only for the Jews, and this is only for the Gentiles, or, you know, 
whatever it might be. And, and within, uh, within scholarly terms, uh, the term is bilateral ecclesiology, right? The, the, the idea that there are two ecclesias, that there are two assemblies of God, right? There's the church over here, there's Israel over here. They're both God's people, but never the two shall meet kind of a thing, right? And if that's the case, then all of a sudden the Gentiles have some major, major, major issues. First of all, the Old Testament, that's not for you right? That's only for the Jews, not for the church. So good news, right? For the Gentiles, you get the New Testament. But according to Yeshua himself in Matthew 15, 24, he came only for the lost sheep of Israel, not for the Gentiles. And so whatever Yeshua says, Sermon on the Mount, you know, all your favorite Yeshua passages that you love to go to, if you're a Gentile, then you need to not listen to those because those are only for the house of Israel, not for the Gentiles. Well, okay, you still have some other parts that could be for you, right? Well, what about the book of Hebrews, written to who? To the Hebrews. It's not, that, that's not given to the Gentiles. The book of James is, uh, is given to who? To the, to the tribes Both who tribes, are in the dispersion. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, we're, we're now breaking this was, down. This the, was the argument, I think, is it Stuart, quote, Rabbi Stuart Dowerman's Stuart, book Dowerman, on yeah, Rabbi yeah. and Priest. I think it was his dissertation. He argues basically that the New Testament has two canons. Right. It's got a canon like like uh, Pete, the epistles of Peter, James, you know, are for Jews. But Timothy, Titus, you know, those are for Gentiles or something like that. Even yeah, though I and, believe both Timothy and Titus were circumcised. It, it, the John 17 project. Sosthenes was circumcised, right? So, but but I, I absolutely reject Dowerman's uh thesis on that it's 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 divisive and it mis it continues to misrepresent the abrahamic covenant right in the name of being a, a rabbi right you know and actually the john 17 project pretty much hits the nail on the head he says the division between the old uh testament and the new testament in the minds of many believers borderlines on marcionism in my opinion many act as though we serve two gods one of the old testament and one of the new testament i agree now that the the uh the response from those in what i would consider to be the mainstream messianic movement are, is going to be something like no 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 it's not a different god it's just uh two different they they this is legitimately how they describe it. Um, I think, who was it? What's his name? Um, Kinzer is the one who uses the, uh, an, yeah, the analogy of a duplex. They're, the Gentiles are on one level, the Jews are on another level. They're both in God's house, but they're on two levels and they're not the, the same. Uh, this, uh, when it comes to ecclesiology, this is absolutely heinous. It like, it, I think not only does it not work, but it's, it's, uh, it's not biblical. It's just not biblical. And then it, and the, then someone, it might have been FFOZ or one of those, oh, they modified bilateral, that's Kinzer's term, side by side, ecclesiology, with radial. So it's like you have concentric circles. So Jews are at the center circle, and then Gentiles are like at the further out, but they're still it, around the same sounds, center. You know what it it's sounds like, like? Oh my goodness. It, it, <laughs> Can it, it someone sounds, come up with, why not just go back to... It's a tree, you know. You know what? You know what? You know what? You know what it sounds like. It sounds like these guys sat down, and they, they were like, "Let what? They're, what? They're let's, stuck let's in their at, head. Let's look they're at some marketing books. Head. Let's look at some marketing books. Grab words that sell, and we'll use the radial. Aha! That's people will love that term. We're going to use that. What an innovation! It's like yeah, a exactly. theological innovation. We're we're 
gaining for the kingdom here. <laughs> it's yeah, okay. It, uh, before we leave, Mark, I want to say something about the Matthew seven. Okay. Well, I, hang on. I have one more point, but okay, okay, yeah, well, you, you want to go first or you want me to go first? No, I just don't want to forget. It's just because I'm, I go, know my I will own not forget my point. memory. Go, go. Because wasn't, wasn't Matthew seven mentioned in the question from Mary? Yeah. The question actually was, oops, sorry. Let me get back to it. The question was, side note, Matthew seven twenty one spoken to Jews and Jews alone. Is Matthew seven twenty one spoken to Jews and yeah, Jews alone? Yeah, I, I have a quick answer for that. Go. It's to Jews and Gentiles who presume, who take Yeshua's name in vain. Because in verse 723, it says, it doesn't say, I will say to them, I will declare to them. And then it says, udepote egnon humas, which means, udepote means at no time. At no time have I known you. That means they're never part of the covenant. Right. It's not people that were once part of the covenant. And then it's like at, at, not, at no time did I know you. So that means they're playing a game. That means whatever the song and dance, oh, yeah. we're doing all these things in your name. He's like, you've invented something and you've hijacked my name and pasted, you know, stuck a sticker on it. But it was not done. You weren't walking with me. So, so I would say it, it doesn't matter ethnicity. It, it, it matters who's out there doing this, whatever this song and dance is in Jesus name, yeah. but are really, you know, in fact, aliens to the covenant. Kristen in the chat room for the win, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Pretty clear. Exactly. You can't, you can't go against mic drop <laughs> mic drop right there. So <laughs> the point, the point I was going to make is, is this, uh, 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 well, I'll, I'll even give you a little bit of a backstory on this one. Uh, had a brother in the Lord call last week. Maybe it was this week. I don't remember. But we were talking about uh, Acts and Acts 21 and how it reemphasizes the laws from um, from Acts 15. And he was saying, well, it seems like they're saying, well, the you know, you do this so that the Jews can see you do this. But we've already told the Gentiles they only have four things to do. And I gave him the analogy of, okay, well, let's pretend that you go to, you know, the Bush people in the Philippines and uh, all the women are, are not wearing clothes and you give them the gospel. They come to the gospel. They, they come to, they come to faith in Christ. And then you say, Hey, you need to start going to the, you know, the congregation down the road to learn more. But I got to tell you, you're going to get kicked out unless you put shirts on. You got to put some clothes on to enter the, the synagogue. Same kind of thing. But here's the point. Here's the point to this passage that I want to make it, as regards to this question. Are you telling me, is the church telling me that they don't have any ethnic Jews in their congregations anymore? Are they saying that, that the only people that make up the church today are the Gentiles? If there are Jews in the... Uh, if there are Jews in the church today, then those Jews need to be keeping the Torah according to this theology. According to this theology, the Jews have the Torah, the Gentiles don't. The Gentiles have whatever they want, but the Jews have to keep the Torah. Okay, if that's the case, then what about all the ethnic Jews in the church today? Are you making sure that none of the Jews in your congregation are eating pork? 
Are they keeping the Sabbath? Are they, you know, so all of these stipulations of the Torah, and this ultimately, you have both sides of this. The Messianic Jews oftentimes will say, well, the Torah was actually done away with, and you don't have to keep it. It's just something to mark the ethnicity. So the, the Jews can or can't, and this is why you'll see, uh, you know, Messianic rabbis, they'll eat their ham sandwich on Shabbat, or they'll, you know, on Shabbat, they'll go out after the congregational, uh, you know, service, they'll go out to, to eat with everybody, right? At, at a, it's, it's because they don't have to keep the Torah. On the flip side, the gen, you know, the Gentile church will basically say, or the mainstream Christian church, I should say, will basically say, no, 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 the Torah has been done away with, uh, and nobody has to keep it anymore. So which one is it? Is it that the, that well, the Torah is for the Jews or not? the one that's like the, another messianic rabbi, scare quotes, uh, David Rudolph, <laughs> who did a legit PhD out of Cambridge, I think, and I served somewhere, I think, in Texas or Baltimore, Maryland. Rudolph anyway, is a lovely matter. man. He the is. is uh, his theology is awful, his but story, he's, aw he's awesome. His story is, I was, I grew up in a church, and his, his viewpoint is, oh, I was so grateful because the pastor, a Christian Gentile pastor, learned that I was Jewish, and he said, look, man, God has a special thing for you that's different from us. You need to go search that out. And he's, he, if I remember right, uh, I'm pretty sure he, he, this is part of his book or it's somewhere he, he shares this story of like, he accredits, wow, this pastor had good theology, which encouraged me to go become now who I am today, um, which is based on a theology of difference uh, of a theology of David, uh, you really, it's, you're welcome here, but there's a whole heritage for you that you I want to encourage you to go discover God has a, a special thing for you because of your bloodline. Uh, and he accredits, I mean, to him, that's a very like heartwarming moment of, of, uh, past, uh, of godly pastoral advice that was very meaningful sure. him in his subsequent trajectory. Um, well, look, look, so look, that's kind of a middle, that's kind of a middle, that's like bilateral ecclesiology and in pastoral counseling setting. It doesn't matter how you, it does not matter how you stretch this, how you present this. 99% of the time, you might have some people like Kinzer who are going to say, you know, Kinzer will tell you that the Gentiles should be in the Catholic church and that the Jews should be in Messianic uh, synagogues. So you either have that option if you're going to hold oh, because, to- Oh, that's right. There, because there's a hatred of the Reformation. Right. Yeah. We see this in like FFOZ literature uh, where it's like, you know, they reject the idea of what the, the things that I think are structurally, you know, core Reformation non-negotiables. Sola Scriptura. And that's why. Yeah. So that's <laughs> why that's why Kinzer has to go. He's, you know, he buddies up with priests, Catholic right. priests. And 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 part of that leverage is the is in the 60s. Remember where the Pope, there was a whole Catholic declaration of like. We have to respect Israel. You know, we're, we, you know, the Catholic Church is responsible for Inquisition and all these t terrible things against Jews, and so we we repent of that. And so there's like, hey, I'm Jewish. I can like uh, wiggle my way in to like uh, find a niche for myself because the Catholics are ready to like kiss my feet, you know, because of all their past sins. And hey, I'll, I'll represent the Jewish tradition to you. I'll be your guy. Like I'll be your Jewish right. salesman. <laughs> right? Like all but, things but, Jewish. Okay. And 
Okay, but the point the point here is is this: either you take that position, you take a position like, okay, yeah, the Gentiles need to be in the Catholic Church and the Jews need to be in the Messianic synagogue, and therefore start separating those in the congregation, or, <laughs> or what you have to do is, you, it, no matter if you're Messianic or if you're Christian, you have to say that the Torah was done away with. You have those two options: either start separating the congregations in the Jew and Gentile. I have had this is no joke. I have had someone who was deep in debate with me. We'd gone back probably seven or eight uh, uh, emails, right? Long email, page, pages and pages and pages of uh, debate on this kind of thing. And he changed his view midstream from the Gentile, the Jews have to keep the Torah, the Gentiles don't, to, you know what, no one has to keep the Torah, it's done away with. And the reason why is because there's no good argument. There's no good argument. Well, there's no good argument either way. Okay, let's move on because I th this is all going to tie together, by the way. we As I was looking <clears throat> at some of these notes, I was like, man, these all kind of fit into the same kind of uh, uh, discussion. So let's move on. What we're going to do today Paul is- Paul never different. One last point. I'm sorry. Paul never defined sin according to ethnicity. Right. Like sin is transgression of the Torah, right? He doesn't say- you know, da, 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 with all this sub thing, right? It, it's, if the Gentiles are repenting, they're repenting from something that is commanded in the Torah that they did that was right. against yeah. the Torah. Oh, that was a good point. Okay. Anyway, okay. Um, that, that, that was the last little bit there. This Go. came in yesterday to my Instagram and a buddy of mine sent it to me. And, uh, you know, when I get videos like that, this, it's always a question of, is this a mystery Bible theater 3000? I don't think it is. In fact, uh, no, I don't know who this person is and I apologize. In fact, in the video, he says, this is my, this is my 50 minute answer. So clearly it, he has taken his own teaching and he's clipped it down into a minute long or whatever video, um, to, to, to make a point. Okay, fair. I don't know who he is. And I have all full disclosure. I'm only watching the video that he has posted where he breaks this down. So he believes that there is a main point in here that people need to hear. And it is the main point that I want to discuss. Now, he says that he has a 50 minute teaching on this. I, I bet I could guess what's in that 50 minute teaching because I think that it's a pretty standard view. I think he thinks it's something revolutionary, but I don't, I, I honestly don't think it's, it's, uh, uh, that revolutionary. I think he's, he's, uh, basically, uh, he's skating with, uh, with dispensationalism. Okay. Um, now, I will also say, full disclosure, you know, we had two videos on dispensationalism. I found a key mistake, a very large mistake in our take on the old views or on our old videos of dispensationalism. So I have unpublished those videos. Um, dispensationalism, and the reason why is because I've done uh, quite a, a, uh, a bit of study on dispensationalism as I've gotten into looking at covenant theology and whatnot. The key mistake that we made is that dispensation, the dispensational view, although I believe it leads I believe it leads congregants to believe that there is a different way of salvation in uh, various dispensations. Dispensational uh, theology itself ha never has taught that there is a different way of salvation in various dispensations. That is a, that is a large mistake. Uh, they have said that that God relates to His people differently in uh, and the way that we show our worship and our holiness to God is different in different dispensations. This, in and of itself, has major problems, namely that God does not change, and if we uh, and if His holiness changes, and they're not necessarily saying that His holiness changes, but it's really bordering on that. So if God's holiness changes, 
he changes. This is also a defense for the Torah itself. Okay. Um, with all of that said, we're going to kick over, and this gentleman's name is, if anybody wants to look him up, Dr. Taylor Marshall. So here we go. Let's kick over. Uh, you can see that. Okay, good. Here we go. Darby and the dispensationalists would say there's Israel and there's church, two covenants, independent. That's not what Paul's teaching in Romans 11, how we really have one entity. You can call it Israel. You can call it church. And that's why Catholics refer to the Catholic church as the new Israel and the new Jerusalem. And if you read the book of the apocalypse, the ending of the book is the new Jerusalem. In the book of Revelation, the old Jerusalem gets destroyed. The new Jerusalem is the church, and it has true continuity with the faithful of the old Jerusalem and the Old Testament. It's a linear progression through time because God is one. Kiki says, your thoughts on Christian Zionism. This has been 50 minutes of my thoughts on Christian Zionism. Christian Zionism is dispensationalism. Dispensationalism is Christian Zionism. It's the same theology. It's the same thing. Because I think a lot of them have just been taught, this is the Bible, this is the Bible. And they've never heard that it was invented by a man named Darby in the 1830s. Okay, I want to go back. So that was the whole video. I want to go back. He actually says uh, several very true things in, in this video, uh, things that I can get on board with. Let's start again, and I wanna, I'm going to stop here in a few seconds. Darby and the dispensationalists would say there's Israel and there's church, two covenants, independent. That's not true. what Paul's teaching in Romans 11, how we really have one entity. You can call it Israel. You can call it church. And that's why Catholics refer to the Catholic church as the new Israel and the new Jerusalem. Okay, so he's right He's right in several... Oh, man, what's going on here? Why is my video frozen? Um, he's right... Oh, great. I don't now know, but videos. a couple little bubbles went up. Yeah, and now my video's frozen. Awesome. Uh, it's, okay. a great, it's a great still, though. That's okay. Thank you. I'm going to try to fix that while I talk. Anyway, so he's right that the dispensationalists actually... Uh, they, they're the ones who are separating church and Israel. He's also right that Israel and the church are basically the same thing. And what I mean by that is I believe in enlargement theology. And, and I've described enlargement theology as being uh, that through the covenants, we... Uh, we we become covenant members and join ourselves to Israel. Now, if the now the, the word church is is uh, translated, it's ecclesia, which means assembly. It's translated to church. However, the word ecclesia is found in the in the Tanakh in the Old Testament as well, not just in the New Testament. And the thing is, is that the idea that there's a new entity, this gentleman is right. There is no new entity. Now he does separate them later. He says that that Israel becomes the church or something to that effect. Hang on just a sec. Do you uh, do you want to talk for a few seconds while I try to uh, try to fix my my camera here? Oh, sure. Well, I I mean, I don't know who this is and it sounded like he said 50 minutes so there maybe there's like a whole video that's this is just a snippet from um but you know what he was saying about the new jerusalem and the old jerusalem i don't yeah <laughs> yeah i i'm i'm just like he kind of loses me there yeah agreed um so uh yeah it sounds like he's just trying to put some ideas together and present them as like okay here's how i put these pieces together Right. Um, but I, I don't know enough about dispensationalism, but also I, I dispensationalism is Christian Zionism. I disagree with that. That, that just doesn't, 
that first of all, Zion, it, there can't be. Well, if he's saying dispensationalism is anchored like 200 years ago, didn't he say like in the eight, 1800s or something? Zion, it had, didn't have anything to do with Zionism. I think, well, right? I think if, what he, uh, if we okay, know what think, Zionism is, okay, with the but, movement out of Europe for the Jews to have a homeland that ended up being, you know, in Israel and all this to put a hyphen to hyphenate that now with Christian Zionism, that that's a different animal altogether. Now, it might have some similarities to what we call dispensationalism. Like, let's say a prophetic, this idea that, oh, Israel's back in the land kind of thing. And therefore, we're in a, a shifting of of the, what is it? What are the dispensations? Like, like there's a new dispensation now. So if, if he's just talking on real broad brushstroke kind of thing, okay. But in reality, I don't, I don't think. That's not how I'm taking uh, it. I'm not what is it, it no, way. I'm talking about what he means when he says Zion, Christian Zionism is dispensational. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think he means. I think what he means is it's not dispensationalism has done away with replacement theology. In dispensationalism, you still have Israel. And therefore, you are pro-Israel because you are not saying that the church replaced Israel. What you're saying is that there are two different entities. There is Israel and there is the church. And so you can be pro-Israel. And not and and not say that the church has replaced Israel. That's what I think. That's what I think he is saying. Um, I I don't think that he's saying. And, and so, I think that he's taking a hybrid view. And in fairness to this gentleman as well, dispensationalism has actually changed quite a bit throughout the ages. He's right. When Darby uh, came in, he started teaching that the that that Jeremiah thirty one thirty one and following was not for the church. And. He's right. <laughs> he was right. And that lasted a couple of years where basically he said, hey, it says that it's, it's, uh, it's given to Israel and Judah, not to the church. And therefore, we have to find a different new covenant for the church in the New Testament. Oh, but okay. But okay. Now, again, this, you know way more about this than I do. But when Darby's using the word church, he's talking about the contemporary, you know, churchgoers who see themselves in a replacement kind of situation when he's what trying to say, look, you guys don't understand. Remember, that there's remember no foundation that, for who you think you are. Remember that, that dispensationalism believes that there was the Israel age or the law age where God related to his people in holiness through the law. And that was done all the way up until Christ. Once Christ comes in, now there's a new dispensation. God essentially, if you want to think of it this way, God essentially takes Israel and puts them on the shelf over here. And he says, okay, now I'm going to, now I'm going to work uh, in holiness with this people group, which is the church. And now I'm working with the church and it's the church age right now. And at some point in time, what's going to happen is God's going to rapture all of and you know even even uh, dispensationalists today like MacArthur and others I believe uh, still believe that you're going to have this rapture where the church is raptured out of this world and then all of a sudden God's going to say okay well now that the Christians have been or the church has been raptured out of this world I'm going to take Israel down off the shelf and now I'm going to relate to people through Israel again and so if you want to become a, a follower of of God in the Israel or in the law dispensation and this is how the dispensationalists actually uh, see the 
the end times uh, relating to the festivals and the kosher laws and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, those laws will be done again because they they uh, God will be working with Israel again, not with the church. And so the law is actually for Israel. It's not for the church. And if you want to become part of uh, God's people, when he's working with Israel, then you'll have to become part of Israel. Now, the difference here, now I, I agree with uh, Marshall here, Dr. Marshall, when he says that there's not two people groups, and I agree with, uh, I agree half with the uh, dispensation, the dispensationalists that God works with Israel and their covenants. Where I disagree is that there's some entity that is different, known as the church, that God has with some its own, new, with its own covenant or something. Right. That this is this is false. If you want to become a covenant member, you believe in Christ, you become a part of the remnant of Israel. Heirs according to promise. Yeah, the sheepfold, it's like the sheepfold gets bigger, the flock gets bigger, right? It's right. not It's not like radial where the sheep in this culture to the center or culture to the shepherd, because the shepherd moves all around the sheep, right? Right. Uh, yep. It's just that the the gates get bigger, right? The, the sheep pen or whatever gets bigger and more sheep. Now it's interesting that he brings up uh, Romans eleven in this in this video. Well, as so well. would this guy say? I, I'm I don't know anything. I never heard of this guy. So I'm just wondering: is he saying then the Torah is for Israel slash yes. chur- the church? Not for the church. I, okay, See, I'm confused. I, I don't, if he's saying I, I, God is one, and there one, there is no church separate from Israel. I think I think what he's saying is that he's taking a Christian slash dis, like a, a standard covenant theology uh, belief that the covenants have been done away with. So he's attempt. I think what is happening, and I could be wrong on this. I think what is happening is he's attempting to mold dispensationalism into. He's saying there's really no such thing as dispensationalism. There's just covenant theology. And so what we will do is we'll look at covenant theology and we're going to show how uh, people need to get away from dispensationalism, but how it all works together if we see covenant theology. And for those who might not know, covenant theology, uh, they're going to say that God relates to his people through covenants throughout all times and that the, that the main covenant of grace, which uh, it, it relates to all covenants, and that covenant of grace basically says that uh, we are saved from our sins through Christ, whether it's looking forward or looking back. The, the problem with covenant theology, it all looks and sounds really good until you get to the Mosaic Covenant. And the Mosaic Covenant is going to, uh, that what they're going to say about the new Mosaic Covenant is that it was done away with, that God has done away with that part of the covenant in the new in the new uh, era of the of the church. God has basically, um, now, now he's working with the church, which is all nations. So all nations now have access to the covenants. It's no longer Israel, it's all nations. Now I agree, but in the reverse, all nations ha- have and always have had access to God through Israel. And we see this in the priesthood. People say, oh, well, that's not that's not right. What are you talking about? We all have access to God. True, and, and believers have always had access to God, right? We have always had access to God. However, the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel did not have access to God except for through the priest. They had to go through the priest. Israel had to bring the, the, the Yom Kippur sacrifice through the priest. And so the point is, is that the nations have to come through, uh, through the, the, the people of Israel. And when I say the people of Israel, I'm not saying that you have to become uh, a Jew or anything like that. What I'm saying is, is that you become a covenant member of Israel through the blood of Christ. It's always been this way. 
So uh, Joseph de Israel in the uh, in the chat room says, question, part of Israel as a Geratoshav, as a separate people group, or becoming Israel as a nation? I believe that there is the the Ger is a person who uh, who comes in and is considered a a stranger and they can become a covenant member. Once you become a covenant member, you are seen as a member of Israel. We see this throughout the Torah. We see this in the people of of Israel as uh, a mixed multitude comes out of Egypt and they receive the Torah, they all become covenant members and therefore and all of a sudden those strangers melt away. They're just Israel. We are heirs according to promise. As soon as I become a covenant member, I am a covenant member. I am part of Israel. Now, that doesn't give me citizenship with modern-day Israel, of course. Modern-day Israel is not part of the Israel that I'm talking about. I know that... Now, that's going to be a shocker for some people. I'm not saying... Don't get me wrong. I'm not like anti-Zionist or anything like that. What I'm saying is, is that God... That, that Paul talks about in Romans 11, he talks about the fact that people are broken off of the natural branches. Why is that? Because they're not covenant members. Why are they not covenant members? Because they have not accepted Christ. And so this remnant of Israel are the people who have seen the Messiah, accepted the Messiah, and and claim the Messiah's blood as their own. That's how I'm seeing it. And when they do that, whether Jew or Gentile, they become part of the remnant of Israel. Rob, am I off on that? Are you are you disagreeing with that? There, there's a lot of ideas going on. So I because <laughs> I am unlearned in the ways of dispensationalism. I'm pretty Fair. ignorant on it, on the topic. Um, and so I'm confused. I think now that I hear you talk about it, I think I might've misunderstood the clip of what this guy's teaching. Like, I, I'm not sure where he stands actually. Like, is he saying that he's saying basically, if I heard it correctly, there's two ways of calling God's people. You can call them Israel. Fine. You can call them the church. Fine. But it's one people and that there's continuity all the way through time. And it's that's kind of what I thought he was saying. Uh, but of course, he didn't mention, and he mentioned the word covenant a few times, but nothing about covenant obligations or what, you know, what is the covenant relationship consist, what does it consist of? You know, so I, I'm, I feel like I'm just lost in the in the weeds on this one. So, uh, so I, I, so I, I do think that we that uh, one thing before we move on because we will move on here. But we, and you know what? Maybe I misunderstood the guy's clip too. However, it's been a, it's been a conversation that I'm sure will bring plenty of of uh, emails and. He's and got a comments. nice voice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here, here's the thing. He's got a like this deep kind of da 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 da. Like here's let me a, tell you the way it is. Let's go back to Joseph's question. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I missed the, the question there. Do I believe that people be like, I don't believe that people become ethnic Jews. And so we still retain, a Gentiles still retain their identity as Gentiles. Now, people hey, are going to There's put, a great example for that. In, in the three-year Torah cycle, we're at uh, the part of the Book of Numbers with the, the spies. And so they send 12 spies out. Well, we know what what happens is God's using this to reveal the hearts of the men who are princes over their tribes, but they're really cowards, and they're they're they have they're full of fear of man rather than fear of God. Except Joshua, right, son of Nun, who represents uh, the tribe of Ephraim, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who represents the tribe of Judah. Well, Caleb, I I don't think Caleb 
is a natural Caleb in the Torah, right? Is a bloodline uh, member, uh, or he's not from the stock of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? But yet here, but here he is. So in both places, he's representing the tribe of Judah as a man of stellar faith that we know as the as the the account unfolds. We learn that he and Joshua are are set apart by God to as men of faith who trusted God against the 10. But also, he's also says that he's son of, of Jephunneh. Right. So it, it preserves that he, that he, it it reminds me kind of like where you get Ruth, the Moabitess, right? She's called Ruth, the Moabitess, even after she's married to Boaz, Ruth, the Moabitess. So the question is like, what are they, is this, you know, why do they keep reminding us that she's from Moab, you know? Um, and I think it's because it, it's supposed to carry like w- the story matters. Our stories matter. God ultimately is the one who defines belonging. Right. Those who belong to Yeshua, that means Yeshua, the ones for whom Yeshua died belong to him. And that is not discernible by humans, by flesh and blood. Uh, and so... But what we do in the in this world is you have rabbinic courts to say, oh, you know, you converted under a, you know, a reform rabbi. Oh, sorry, we're not going to accept your conversion. Or if you if you want to, you know, you know, come to this community, you're going to have to convert under our rabbis or whatever. And so you have man made rules that build up as they try to patrol the borders of the communities, like who, who really belongs and who doesn't, but those are concerns of men, right? Those are not, God doesn't care about those things. I I really don't, but God, God looks on the heart and those who have a circumcised heart, where do they get their circumcised heart? It's because God circumcised it. He's their father. Right. And so, and then, and then the new Jerusalem being is it Paul in Galatians says the new Jerusalem is our mother. Right. He, he uses and, and what is he talking about? He's talking about Sarah. He says that we are like Isaac. We're children of the promise. We're not like Ishmael, you know, uh, born of our own works and trying to work out our own salvation uh, or trying to work out or accelerate God's plan. No, not at all. We're, we're born. Those who are born from above are like Isaac. They're, they're children of the promise. And that and, and Sarah, and this goes back to the book of Isaiah, that Sarah is likened to Jerusalem. So there's a, there's a lot going on there, but I think this guy, I, I think he's got, if, if I heard him correctly, I think he should just keep studying, you know, <laughs> like keep going, man, you know, but at some point he's going to come against this, you know, situation where he's going to have to define covenant. He's going to have to define sin and maybe he and does commandment that commandment and obligation and those things we'll see what he does with those terms. Okay. Let's, I, I agree, but you know, he might, he might do those things in the, uh, in the, in the longer video. Okay. Let's, let's move on. I want to, before we end, I want to talk about this uh, question sent in by Blake and this is kind of along the same lines. Now, Blake says Balake. to us, 
Balake. This is what he says. He says, what is the Messianic Jewish perspective on when the church began? I don't know. I would not consider myself uh, necessarily in that vein. However. Yeah, don't. Okay, this. Okay, just Hang on, warning. wait, wait, this, wait. I hear wait, this kind of language wait, in wait, like FFOC. Wait, We're going to offer the wait. Messianic Jewish perspective on something. Okay, hang on. That's 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 not a thing. Hang on. We can we can actually offer some perspective on what just like I would be able to tell you what the what the Catholic perspective is, the mainstream messianic perspective, and we're talking about Rudolf Kinzer, FFOZ, all these guys. They're going to say that it starts right when the church says it starts in Acts. Yeah, but yeah, but you're going to find just like you said, there's messianic rabbis that will proudly eat a ham sandwich during Oneg on Shabbat or will happily go to sure. the restaurant on Shabbat while wearing a kippah. So, so the are you saying those guys aren't messianic, real rep messianic rabbis? They've no, no, got, no. I'm saying there's they, not he, a, he's, there's he's not at, a, that's not what he's asking. He, that's messianic he's not Jewish what he, perspective. It's not what he's asking. On he's any at, issue. That's not what he's asking. He's asking when does the okay the say mess- it again? I'm sorry, I didn't. What's the question? The question is, according to the messianic Jewish Jewish perspective, when did the church begin? And I'm going to say, according to the mainstream messianic perspective, it began in Acts two, just like the mainstream Christian church believes. Okay. Um, he I goes on. I, 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 he says dispensationalists see it as having begun on the day of Pentecost in Acts two, whereas covenantalists see it uh, as having always existed, although under different names and serving different purposes. I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, I, 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 I would just push back. I, I'm suspicious that there's a, I, I think if you asked, uh, I don't know, are there a hundred Messianic rabbis of different flavors? Sure. If you polled a whole bunch of people who call themselves Messianic rabbis and you ask them that question, I don't think you're going to get a uniform answer. That, I agree That's just you. my hunch. I, I, I I'm not ready to go do that survey, but my hunch is that you're going to get different answers. I, I tend to agree with you. He, say, he says this. He says, I'm all in when it comes to the moral and civil components of the Mosaic law, but I'm still wrestling with the relevancy of the ceremonial portions of the law. Okay, let's talk about that for just a second. Relevancy of the ceremonial aspects. What were they? They were, to, uh, they were ceremonial cleanliness. That hasn't gone away. Ceremonial cleanliness will still apply. If the temple is built, you will still have to be clean to go in it, and you're you're going to have to be cleansed to do that. So the ceremonial laws will still apply. And according to Ezekiel, according to Zechariah, according to Isaiah, there will be another temple, <clears throat> and there will be sacrifices again, and these things will matter. And so the question that I would have is, what are you going to do with all of the prophecies that tell us that there is going to be another temple? And that, that well, the exactly well, and and then just go to Daniel. So there's the temple's destroyed. There's no acting priesthood. Daniel's in Babylon, and he applies purity stringencies to what he's going to put in his body. Right. And God blesses him. So was Daniel ignorantly applying a ceremonial law that didn't actually apply to his to his life? Or did Daniel say, you know, though I'm in ex- I understand I'm in exile. I understand the temple's destroyed. I'm in mourning of this. And I'm still going to, you know, do live by the covenant as much as I'm able. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. I, I'm not, ha- and we've talked about that before. I, dividing the into ceremonial and civil and all this, 
Oh, it doesn't work. I don't know how helpful those are ultimately in terms They're of... Not. They are not helpful at all. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. Because then, it, then, it, then those become my categories for thought rather than the Torah itself. And I've got it. I'm living with some sort of filtration device that's that I'm subjecting the Torah to, rather than bringing every thought captive to Messiah and His Torah. And my that, dad does. It's a, a different uh, prioritization scheme. My, my dad does a fantastic job of showing why multiple laws in the Torah apply to all three categories that people want to break break up the Torah into, ceremonial, civil, and moral. All laws of God are moral, by the way. Right. All laws are moral and moral right, issues. Because the blessing for obedience is goodness, is his, it, it, it's good. And good, God defines what's good is, what right? It, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good, Isaiah says. So it's like, well, how do we call good what God calls good? Well, what does his Torah say? Moral morality for the for the believer in Yeshua means it must be a morality that we do not define ourselves, but rather has been revealed to us to be God's will. So that means what God what God has called good we must accept that as the category of good. And that's why ceremonial, civil, etc., type of laws, those are categories that are not revealed categories. Those are man-made constructions categories. And then we try to cram God's word into our little categories. Rather, and that's why I'm saying that's backwards. But anyway. Uh, Joseph asks this. Uh, who wants to tell him? Uh, Caleb, FFOZ is often brought up. Have you guys done a video on the disagreement between FFOZ and Torah Resource? Uh, well, we've talked about FFOZ many times. My father did a 46-page or 62-page article on um, uh, the uh, assessment of the divine invitation uh, theology. That took yeah, place. Yeah, I think that was back like 15 years. That was like in well, 07, 08, maybe. The, I don't that, know. Took, that, took, uh, that took part... Uh, that took place right after my, so my father was the theological editor for FFOZ. And then they switched their views uh, to a, the, the notion, they, they switched from a one law position to a, uh, to a bilateral ecclesiology position. No, not yet. They went to divine invitation first. They went to divine invitation. That didn't last long, by the way. Um, then they moved on to something else. Uh, there's been a lot of, of of changes, but the point is, is that we were Torah Resource and FFOZ were very much linked together in the fact that uh, Torah Resource or that FFOZ was publishing all of uh, my father's works. All of my father's books were being published through FFOZ, and uh, until they weren't. <laughs> well, until his contract ran out, and when his contract ran, well, I mean, ran that's out, what I mean. And it's like, look, yeah, we're we're not going to tell Gentiles. Yeah, that he, he yeah, would, yeah, yeah, and uh, that was after uh, he, you know there was a threat of being blacklisted, right. FFOZ from all these major messianic uh, organizations. 
This was after and, Ariel uh, left uh, FFOZ as well. So Ariel Berkowitz uh, left FFOZ as well, and then then my father did. There's been a significant amount of uh, discussion on uh, the theology, uh, the inerrant theology of FFOZ, not only uh, on Torah Resource and the and the articles that we've written, uh, but also on this show, including their adherence to and their belief, uh, their rejection of sola scriptura at this point in time, and their uh, belief that the uh, that the rabbinic Oral Torah. Yeah, that the rabbinic writings hold some form of divine authority uh, for the believer, for at least for the Jewish believer. Yeah, we did a video on one of their things on the soul. What was the thing? This was like a year ago or so. We've done a lot. Rob's Rob wrote on um, uh, Tent of David. He wrote a review of the Tent of David. Yeah. Um, and there's, on the sidematters.com, Caleb, I know you've put up some articles. There's one, like the end of the law for Rabbi Lichtenstein I did, and... Right. Um, um, what was the other, yeah, review of Tent, Tent of David and some other, some other stuff. The point um, is, is that it's yeah, out there. Yeah, um, big difference. You, you can find it. You can find it. Um, however, I would say that, uh, that the FFOZ is, uh, is falling into the camp of what I would consider to be what people want to be mainstream Messianic Judaism. So if you watch, like there's actually a video somebody sent to us of, uh, the two Messianic Jews podcast and uh, they're describing basically the difference between messianic Jews and anyone who uh, believes in one Torah theology which I, I I think is a little bit ridiculous but anyway um, I mean they would fall into the same theological vein as both FOZ and two messianic Jews they would fall into the vein of the UMJC and MJAA theology at least as it's stated now what people don't want to admit in those organizations is that there is a significant amount of people in those organizations not only in the pews but also in leadership who we know, who we know and talk to, who are one law and just haven't haven't let the higher ups in the organization know that they're one law. So the the fact of the matter is, is they can they they have all these writings on their main website about how the you know about the Torah and Gentiles and all this kind of stuff. But there is a a significant amount of people within the within their organization that disagree with the main statements and they just want a fellowship with with people who are Torah observant. So anyway, all right, that's going to do it for us. We will not be back next week. We're taking a week off. Uh, we will let you all know the, uh, the following week how the ETS and SBL meeting were. Uh, and uh, pray for us while we're gone. We relish the prayers of anyone who is willing to pray for us. Uh, and uh, so uh, we are praying that we will have a great conference and that uh, we'll be safe and everything will go well and that we will make some great connections. So please pray with us in that. All right. It's been fun. It's been real. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. Yeah.